You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. First episode of season two. Definitely the first time that we have tried to record this episode. Um, exactly. First time back with you since uh, Gonzaga, or really North Carolina, broke the hearts of basketball fans everywhere. But we are going to be talking to you about college football as the season is quickly approaching. We are 11 days since the Thursday night kickoff of Ohio State-Indiana. Be frank, I know you have some big news to share. Um, Seton Hall not fielding a uh, an FBS football team, but you have latched on to another one as your your team this year. Who is that? Yeah, I, I've made my decision. I'm uh, heading down to Boca Raton with Coach Kiffin, and I'm going to be hashtag owling up this year with the likes of the East Mississippi transfers and all the offensive weapons that Lane has brought down there. Is that a real hashtag that's being used he, by people? He uses it. He started it. So you could say oh, yes boy. or you could say no. I, I can only imagine what it must be like trying to be some kind of advisor to him on social media. Because he is just unlike anyone else. He loves to go for the pros, the guys who no longer have eligibility, and say, "Come, come to, come to the FAU." It's that, and just I've seen so many tweets, not as much recently, maybe, but just historically, of just like his bitmoji doing random shit. <laughs> like the only one over the age of like thirty. He also loves self-deprecating humor. He he consistently is. Uh, Putting up articles of people talking shit about him. That's bulletin board material. You, you um, got to do what you got to do. So we will not be talking about uh, Florida Atlantic's actual football team today. Um, it's going to be keeping it in the Power Five. Little uh, little preview of what to expect. Um, as you recall last year, and definitely do not fact check this. We got all of the champions and playoff teams correct. Um, yeah, so we were 100%. We're, yeah, definitely didn't predict UCLA and Notre Dame, so going to be hoping to bet a thousand again. Um, started off alphabetically on um, ACC. Who are you liking this year as the champion of that conference? Uh, I think when you look at it, you got to go Florida State. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's got a lot of talent. DeAndre Francois coming back after a, he had a good year by by pretty much every metric. He had a, a solid freshman campaign, and he was put into a tough position where expectations were very high. They had a lot of good competition in the ACC last year, and you know he he performed well. They just couldn't get it done defensively. That was the biggest problem last season. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Florida State. Um, it's very unbalanced divisions in the ACC once again. Florida State, Clemson, Louisville might end up being the three best teams all in the same division. Um, and then you mentioned Francois, Cam Akers replacing Dalvin Cook. be interesting to see how seamless that transition is or if, you know, that takes a little while to get going. And then the defense should be much improved as it was over the course of the second half of last season after Lamar Jackson really just put everyone in a body bag. They were very mm-hmm. quietly improved over the course of the season. Um, and then 
getting Derwin James back after missing all of last season due to injury will help the secondary, and then you know the front seven can't possibly be any worse than they were at the start of last season. All the talent on that defense really started to gel, um, and despite the points on the board that Michigan put up, they were fairly efficient, allowing less than four yards per play, so... It's going to be a dogfight again, um, especially with Clemson, but I think Florida State's going to going to have enough to, to win the ACC. Yeah, I mean, you, you add a couple things together. Clemson loses so much talent, and they lose Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, the guy single-handedly won them the national title. So you, you, that's a big, big shoes to replace there, but that, there's so much offensively and defensively that they have to replace – and then you just look at what Florida State returns and the fact that, like you said, the defense just can't get any worse than they did last year. It was sad, t- terrible, what, what they did last season. Uh, and then, like you said, they, they kind of things started to mesh towards the end. And the front seven, while not great, was roughed up a little bit. So, though, I mean, you, you put all that together and you got to think Jimbo Fisher's got a, a ACC contender. Yeah, you certainly think so. And then what about a sleeper? I'm going to go with North Carolina State. They're kind of the trendy sleeper pick in the ACC. I think a lot of people like them because they return eight starters on offense. They also beat Notre Dame last year in the midst of a hurricane. And for whatever reason, that game gets like heavily weighted when you look at NC State. But they've got one of the best defensive lines in the conference, and the country. So that front four, front six maybe, their linebacking core isn't great, but they've got a couple good linebackers. If they can get in the backfield and disrupt some people, they absolutely have the offense to to make people pay. So I'm interested to see how they'll do. Yeah, it is is a trendy pick. That's what I had as well. Um, Bradley Chubb. The name to know on that defensive line. And then this is another team, um, not quite to the degree of Washington a year ago, but this is a team that just a great way to get better in college football is to have everyone come back from the year before. And that's, like you mentioned, something that's certainly true. Ryan Finley, um, transfer from Boise, another year under his belt uh, running the offense. A lot of veterans on that offense as well. But the problem is that they are – in that division with Florida State, Clemson, and Louisville. I was tempted to have Louisville as a sleeper because, I mean, they're getting absolutely no buzz despite yeah. returning a Heisman winner, which is just bananas. But I think NC State could could at least knock off one of those three teams um, in conference play and, you know, as they say, make some noise. Yeah, I mean, they their schedule is – fairly fortuitous for them. I don't know the better word to use. They, they got lucky, better to say it simply. They're at Florida State, at Pitt. Pitt will be decent this year. They're not going to be great. Um, at Boston College and at Wake Forest, meaning they get Louisville and Clemson at home. And that's, I mean, they should have beaten Clemson last season. They were very close. And then, uh, I mean, Louisville, anything can happen. If that offensive line doesn't improve, Lamar Jackson got sacked 48 times last year. It could be more this season. Yeah. And that is uh, that is my player to watch in the ACC, and it's 
it's it's a little odd. I mean, part of the the lack of buzz on Louisville is the cast that surrounds him. Like you mentioned, he was often running for his life last year, a lot of times unsuccessfully. And but still, he's he's a Heisman winner. Um, admittedly, his numbers dipped a bit over the second half of the season. At the same time, that you know, unsurprisingly, his team also struggled due to that. But still, you got to think that Louisville will still be a top 15 team. And he may not repeat his Heisman winner. It's obviously very difficult to do. Only one person has ever done it. But he's still going to be the most electrifying player to watch in this conference week in and week out. Yeah, this is, this is an interesting start for us as we picked the same three through the beginning. I, I also had... J- Jackson, uh, I mean, you said it all. It's it's essentially looking to see where he improves because you'd assume that a Heisman winner is going to t- make a step up from so- well, sophomore to junior year. Or was he junior to senior year? Whatever it is. From from year, from year the Heisman year to the following, you, you'd expect him to either become more efficient, be a better playmaker, something along those lines. And whether it's, you know, better decision-making where he throws less interceptions or, you know, throws the ball away instead of taking a sack, something like that can make a huge difference, especially when you look at, you know, the number of times he was taken down in the backfield. So my the reason he's my player to watch is because, yes, he's going to have all these expectations, but it's how does how has he improved over last season? Because that's that's going to be how Louisville survives this year. Yeah, and even longer term, how much has his just pocket passing improved? Because that's obviously something NFL teams are going to be looking at. Um, right. But I actually have a, a bit of a sneaking suspicion that we might have picked the same three for the Big Ten as well. But we'll, we'll see. It's, it's a it's a hunch. I'll let you start with your uh, your pick for champion. So you I went with I went with Penn State. They've got the best backfield in the country, and uh, or at least best quarterback-running back combo, in my opinion. Saquon Barkley is unbelievable. Probably watching him in the uh, Rose Bowl, there's the word I was looking for, Rose Bowl reminded me of vintage Reggie Bush. He's just breakaway speed. He finds the gap, and he makes defenders miss. It's fun to watch. And then McSorley... Wasn't great last year, but he was good enough to get it done, obviously. He needs, his step forward is going to be big in, you know, James Franklin proving that he deserves his $34 million contract extension, but also keeping Penn State relevant in the playoff race in the Big Ten. Yeah, and that was the one where I thought we might have different opinions on, so good job coming through. Um, I've got Ohio State. And I think not only just the the actual personnel on the field, you have JT Barrett returning, you have Mike Weber in the backfield. That's, if you're going to put Penn State 1 in that department, then Ohio State's got to be 1A. That's that's right there. And then adding Kevin Wilson to that offensive staff as a coordinator is going to do wonders for JT Barrett. Wilson has always been... um, very complimentary, borderline gushing about how Barrett's the most talented player in the conference, and I think that you're going to see 
Barrett have a lot more success this season. He's really on and off last year, and obviously the whole debacle in the playoff against Clemson. So that was kind of Myers' rationale for the overhaul of the, the offensive departments. But those two guys plus the defense, which is going to be Very stout good. as ever. Yeah. Um, they obviously did lose a great deal, but Ohio State is the closest thing the Big Ten has to just an Alabama in that there are so many guys waiting in the wings to fill those spots that it's not as big a, a point of concern as it would be at most schools. You're returning well, those two guys in the backfield. It's going to be a handful for the rest of the Big Ten. Yeah, and I, uh, I think... JT Barrett's kind of in a similar situation as Florida State's defense where it's just a, it was just a bad year, you know. There's no other way to chalk it up. He just didn't perform. And surely he's got way more talent than that, and he can't be that bad again this year, right? I mean, no. Yeah, but he cannot. But um, ever since his his freshman year was – probably the best that he's played in college, which now this year he's got to kind of get back to that point because once Braxton Miller got hurt, it was kind of assumed it was going to be a throwaway year. And then Barrett was an absolute revelation. He had the, the struggles going back and forth with him and Cardell Jones as the starter, which didn't really allow either of them to get in the groove during his sophomore year. And then last year was just, I mean, disappointing by the standards that he had set himself. So mm-hmm. really needs to get back to that point for Ohio State to reach their ceiling. Um, but I, I think with Wilson in that room, um, the work that Wilson's done over the years at, at Indiana with the, the quarterbacks he's had to work with, and of course um, always having stellar offensive line play, I think those two things will, will bode very well for Barrett. Definitely. I mean, it's he's got a guru, essentially, as his offensive coordinator now. So the rich get richer. Yes, that's, that so often happens. Uh, I have a hunch that we have the, the same sleeper, but um, I'll, I'll let you go first. I'm going with Northwestern. Yep. They've got a, they've, they've got a great returning backfield. Clayton Thorson has continued to make improvements each year he's started. And Justin Jackson's an absolute workhorse. One of the, I put him as one of my top six running backs in the country coming into this year. Uh, if you got a chance to read it, let me be frank. Blog, it's out there. Uh, there'll be a new post about uh, non-power five teams that you can check out, and it'll have a link to the other one. But yeah, I, Justin Jackson, Clayton Thorson, they lose Austin Carr, which is tough because dude caught everything, but. That defense, it's a Pat Fitzgerald defense. They're going to be good again this year. So it's its really, I mean, I think this is how it is every year. Northwestern has any expectation. It's can they perform, can the offense perform to the level that the defense is so that they're not letting them down game in, game out. Yeah, and Jackson's going to go down as one of the most productive backs in Big Ten history, probably finishing just behind Ron Dane. Um, but the challenge for 
Thorson is going to be proving that last year wasn't the fluke and continue that positive progression, especially now that Carr is gone, because Carr was, um, I mean, pretty much the, the answer, the outlet every time that Northwestern needed something to get going in the passing game. And now it falls a lot more on Thorson's shoulders. Um, and defensively, he said it's going to be a solid unit. Um, linebacking core, a bit of a question mark. Anthony Walker kind of did everything during his time there. Now you don't have him, but the secondary is going to be great. And, I mean, this is – it's going to be the same same brand of Northwestern football that we've grown accustomed to um, since they have become a winning program. But now I think they have – not just more talents, but more veteran talent. Um, a guy like Justin Jackson is going to be spearheading that. It's going to be tough to, to overtake Wisconsin in the Big Ten West, but if there ever was a year that Northwestern could win the division, I think that this is it. Yeah, it's very similar to 2014 when they started off like five or five or six and zero, and had Ohio State come to town when they were top five. That's I mean, it was a, a senior laden team, and it's kind of like that's where they're at this year. With the and they have, I'd say, a better offense to go with it this time. A little, like you said, the the linebacking core is suspect, but they'll have a good defensive unit overall. And I think that's how good Northwestern teams are pretty much going to be built for as long as. You know, Fitzgerald's there as long as they keep having good teams. Because Northwestern's never going to be a place that's just going to be rolling out five-star studs in every recruiting class. It's going to take a couple of years of uh, of development for each of these guys, and then you know, the finished product like we can expect from this year's team. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it seems like Pat Fitzgerald's going to be there forever, so he needs to. He really needs to just prove that, you know, every couple of years he can churn out a winner like this because he does have winning seasons, but there are few and far between where the wins are very successful. So player to watch in the in the Big Ten this year? I've got whoever's quarterback won at Michigan, whether it's Spate or O'Corn, because that's, I mean, that's, their biggest efficiency. That was their biggest efficiency last year. Held them back. Uh, so if they can really get it going at quarterback, that'll help that good defensive unit. And then the run games, it seems like they've got about 45 running backs each year since Harbaugh's taken over. Yeah, and and that'll be interesting this year to see if, I don't want to call it elite, but the next definitely step forward for Michigan would be making the playoff. And despite how quickly Harbaugh has turned around the program, that that's a fan base where they're always going to be asking more. And, you know, that's, that's the ultimate thing now in, in college football is at least making the playoff. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen this year because I think Ohio State's a better team and you could probably put Penn State there too. Um, but We'll see. And speaking of Penn State, I had uh, Saquon Barkley as my player to watch because, as you mentioned when you're breaking them down, such an electrifying back. And exciting has not typically been a word to throw around when discussing Penn State football. Really, as, 
as far back as I can remember. They're always linebacker U uh, back in the day, and that was kind of the brand they built around. But last year at the offense, which was basically predicated on Trace McSorley throwing the ball deep and seeing what happens, um, and then Barkley just every time he touches the ball, it's must-see TV. And if Penn State is, is going to go back-to-back, he'll have to be a big part of it. Because last year they did kind of take a lot of people by surprise. And now they're going to be pretty heavily burdened by expectations. Pretty much the same thing that we just said about Lamar Jackson. Um, talking about the ACC is, is kind of Penn State as a whole now. They're, they're going to be in the meat grinder and they're still going to have to play all of the big boys in the Big Ten East. So, Barkley, I'm expecting to have another huge season, but he's he's definitely somebody I'm going to be tuning in every time Penn State's playing just to see him. Yeah, it, you you kind of hit it on the head saying, you know, Penn State's never really had that exciting, electrifying team to watch. It's always been pretty boring, you know, for just to put it bluntly. They're, they're not, they were never fun. It was It was just grind it out defensively and run the ball. That's that's how they won games. That's how they worked. But now, you know, when they run the ball, it's a guy that you can't take your eyes off of because he, he just makes plays. Yeah, so that'll be a very interesting race. Um, cause you, you've got Ohio State and Penn State, and then Michigan's almost a forgotten team, and that's just in one division. Um Kind of a, a common theme here in college football is divisions that are not balanced in the slightest. And, of course, the SEC. Another big example of that. But next we're going to be moving on to the Big 12, which is changing up its format this season and reinstating the conference championship game, even though they don't have divisions. So it's still going to be a round robin between uh, – all 10 teams and then two best will meet in the title game, meaning if you want to win the Big 12, chances are you're going to have to beat one team twice. With all that in mind, who is your pick to win the conference this year? I went Oklahoma. Very, very exciting picks so far from me. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Heisman candidate. He loses, you know, his favorite target, D.D. Westbrook. Um, but that defense is going to be better. He's got a good O-line. It'll be interesting to see, you know, where they go. They don't have their running back, whose name I do not want to mention. But, I mean, Mayfield makes plays. So, it's it'll be interesting to... Yes, there you go. <laughs> but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Lincoln Riley uses him if it's, you know, pass-heavy offense, if they're – pretty much running gun like it was last year and you could almost hammer the over every time knowing they'd hit it or if they're going to, you know, he's going to pick his spots, really set him up for some play action and, and try and make plays that way. I mean, this is the Big 12 where defense is kind of an afterthought and, you know, it's pretty much first to 40 wins. So it'll be very exciting to see because that that could mean that they just let Baker Mayfield loose and let him throw the ball all over the yard. We go with Oklahoma State. Um, speaking of prolific offenses, 
probably the the best connection in the country, Mason Rudolph to James Washington. Rudolph threw for over 4,000 yards last year, and 1380 of those were to Washington. Um, and then kind of a forgotten aspect of life in the Big 12 a lot of times, um, despite great offenses, is the run game. And Justice Hill ran for over 1,100 yards as a freshman last year. Would expect him to only continue to improve. Um, but question mark with everyone is, is going to be defense, but or everyone in this conference, rather. But Oklahoma State will be at least solid if unspectacular. They have Trey Flowers, and they have the Clemson transfer, Adrian Baker, also helping in that secondary. So it's not going to be much of a liability. And with coupling that with an offense that can outscore pretty much anybody, I think this is the year that they finally get over the, the Oklahoma Hill. They've also got the most electric coach in the country. With yeah. That so I uh, I like Oklahoma State. They're, uh, they're, it was, it's either them or Oklahoma. That's who I was going with. And I mean, Mason Rudolph's probably one of my favorite players. He's he's the forgotten guy. It seems like in the country when you know just overlooking a four thousand yard passer last year. Yeah. Uh, for my sleeper team, I want Kansas State. They, Bill Snyder, who may never die, legitimately, uh, returns eight starters on offense, and he has his quarterback back, which is the biggest thing. They grind games down to pretty much a halt just running the ball and picking you apart that way. So it'll be interesting to see. He, it seems like each year he somehow finds a way to win eight or nine games. And this season he has probably his best offense in, since they were top ten team a couple of years ago. Yeah, if we want to talk about overlooking people, Kansas State was 9-4 last year. And there yeah. was absolutely no buzz about it. Um, and I think a big part of that is, like you said, they're not they're not a flashy team. They grind games to a, a halt. And even so, their offense consistently is one of the most efficient in the country. Um, even if they're not, you know, cranking out big plays every time, they're just chewing up chunks of yardage one play at a time. And as you mentioned, I mean, Jesse Ertz back. Dual threat quarterback, much in the mold of Colin Klein, um, the last really great team that Kansas State had, and defense that is incredible by Big 12 standards and good by normal college football standards. So having those two things is going to make Kansas State very difficult to beat. They're not going to blow pretty much anybody out, but I think that they're going to be a team that is going to be right there with with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And if nothing else, they'll be a little more confident coming into uh, Big 12 play. They don't have to open against Stanford this year on the road as they did last year. Now they just have to face off with Vanderbilt. So I think they're going to be a very good team. And I'd be interested to to watch that uh, contrast of styles when they do play Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yeah, and their schedule's interesting, I guess is the best way to put it. Their their road games are Texas, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. So they, they kind of dodged a bullet in terms of road games, although Stillwater oh. is not Oklahoma a good place State. to play. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that's 
that's a that's a very tough one. Um, but if you look at how it's coupled, Baylor at home is going to be an easier game this year as Baylor's just a mess, absolute mess. Uh, TCU, they get Oklahoma at home. If there's ever a time to play a team in Manhattan, it's it's Oklahoma in October. And then West Virginia and Iowa State. So they dodge the bullet in that they don't have to play Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on the road. But, I mean, going to Norman or Stillwater is not, a, not an easy time for any team. Yeah, but I don't know. If anyone could do that, I would think Kansas State would be the one to do it because Bill Snyder right. teams typically don't seem particularly rattled. Um, right. I don't know. That'll be it'll be a very interesting race. And on top of that, because to win the league, you're probably going to have to beat somebody twice, almost certainly. Because um, the championship game will be a rematch for sure. Give me your player to watch. We already talked about him at length, Mason Rudolph. Uh Again, most overlooked 4,000-yard passer I think I've seen in the last 10 years in college football. He has weapons that are returning, and his his coach is not afraid to air it out. So expect him to put up some monster video game-esque numbers this year. I've got the other uh, big quarterback in the Big 12, Baker Mayfield. Um be interesting to see. How he does um, without D.D. Westbrook this year, obviously, is super talented guy in his own right and should be one of the, the Heisman candidate leaders going into the year and could certainly play his way higher on that list as the season progresses. Um, but I think he's he's ultimately the guy that's going to control Oklahoma's destiny if they are going to win the league in Lincoln Riley's first year, they are going to take down Oklahoma State and continue to outscore just about everybody, he's got to be the guy. Um, and he's certainly talented enough to do it, but without all of those playmakers and, you know, missing the the guys in the backfield as well, uh, Samaje Piran uh, going to the professional team in Washington, the big loss, um, as well as someone going to Cincinnati. So it's all on him. He's super capable of doing it, and, I mean, Lincoln Riley has inherited a roster that puts him in a position to succeed as well, but I think it's, it's ultimately going to come down to a two-team race between guys with tons of firepower, so Bedlam's going to be super, super fun this year. Absolutely. Uh, let's, let's head west. Let's go to the Pac-12. Who do you west. have as your champ? I've got, I've got USC. Um, and I think you'll agree that Sam Darnold is very good at football. He is. Kind of one of the more bananas things about last year is the fact that this dude, uh, redshirt freshman, threw 31 touchdowns and didn't even play in his team's first three games. I'd be very interested to see um, USC with Darnold at the helm, last year's team taking on last year's Alabama season because that we were kind of cheated in that season opener, um, but obviously USC got so much better, much like Penn State, so it was very appropriate that those two met in the Rose Bowl, what was an instant classic, and USC is going to be extremely good again this year. Now that this is clearly Darnold's team, um, you've got Ronald Jones also in the backfield who should 
become a star this year. Um, defense under Clay Helton is solid, and I mean the the schedule is pretty fortuitous as well. They're going to get Stanford, Utah, and UCLA all at home. So I think this is uh, USC's conference to lose this year. I went different because I knew USC's like the the obvious pick, so I wanted to give it another. Team I, get, I go obvious. I uh, I went with Washington. Jake Brown. Oh, real, one of the, real reach there. Yeah, one of the more uh, or one of the most efficient and uh, safest quarterbacks in the country. They. They got the, the, the lucky roll of the dice, or however they decide to schedule nowadays, because their road games, Colorado, Oregon State, Arizona State, and Stanford. Meaning, they get UCLA, Oregon, Washington State, and Utah all at home. That's a pretty good pretty good shake, especially this year, given the, the strength of Washington State. But that defense is still going to be good, despite losing you know key pieces in the secondary, and but even without John Ross, that's a that's a very capable receiving core. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think those are pretty clearly the two best teams in the league. Stanford and Oregon, more traditional powers, I guess you could say, are both in transition periods. Um, so I think it'll it'll come down to those two. But in terms of a sleeper, got. Mike Leach and Washington State be ready to, to make some noise. Um, that air raid offense, Luke Falk behind a an outstanding offensive line is just going to see a lot more games of you know, 70 passes, 70 plus passes just winging it all over the field. But unlike Washington State teams in the past, the defense actually is kind of good now. Um, over the last probably two or three years, it is probably, I don't know the, the correct way to say this really, but, be, well, I guess become about twice as efficient would be the, the proper nomenclature. Um, so basically, they started out as Texas Tech, and now they are... A basically twice as good football team. The offense is still the offense, um, but the defense actually resembles the college football team. So, I mean, this is this is the best team he's had in in Washington State. Um, far from a traditional football power, so very impressive rebuilding job and you know real shot to make a lot of noise in the Pac-12. Yeah, I went with the same team. I, I there you go. Roll right into my player to watch because that's Luke Falk. Uh, you, you hit all the main points. The dude is in an offense that is designed for him to throw 50-plus times a game. He's got a very, very good offensive line. And honestly, it doesn't even matter who he has at receiver at that point. But if you want to look, he's got some pretty good guys. And they're finally at a respectable level on defense. So it should be... A lot of fun to watch Washington State. I'm going to hammer some of the overs because that's just how many times they're going to be throwing the ball. Yeah, and uh, for me, got to go with the golden boy, Josh Rosen. Um, we, are, we are nearing the very real possibility that UCLA will essentially waste three years of a top ten NFL draft pick and quarterback. Um, and... In doing so, probably end up costing uh, Jim Mora his job. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, Rosen is undeniably talented and a good part of helping your football team succeed is making sure he stays upright and not injured, which is something that UCLA couldn't quite accomplish last year. And, I mean, the the talent on the roster is, is, is roughly the same as it was a year ago when expectations were considerably higher. And, I mean, I don't think this is a team that is going to challenge for the Pac-12 title, but it's got to win at least, I'd say, probably eight games for the season to be considered a success. And, you know, I'm expecting big things out of, out of Josh. This is his last audition before the pros. Gonna make sure this, it counts. This is your guy. This, I mean, I know. We just played, we play back the tape from last year. You would have heard heard pretty much the same thing. It, yes, it's, it it is Jim Mora's job on the line pretty much right now. I'd say, uh, especially if they have a season anywhere near like they did last year. Boundless and, optimism uh, remains, though. <laughs> yes, you got to. As far as Josh is concerned. Um. And we'll, we'll, we'll head down to Nick Saban country, SEC. Uh, I'm pretty sure we both picked Bama to win the conference, so there's no real need to even talk about that. Uh, who's your sleeper team? Uh, yeah, you are correct. I had Bama. Um, Good. That's, like, not even fair at this point, really. But Right. Uh, at Florida, and I guess they're a bit of a stretch to, to throw in that – sleeper role, but I don't know. I, I feel like anyone compared to to Bama is, is going to take on that sleeper, and I think Georgia is going to be, at least on paper, a pretty heavy favorite in the East. But Florida is, is finally kind of pulling itself out of the doldrums of the Will Muschamp roster construction, which is basically just heavy on defense and just nothing resembling an offense, but they actually have a good amount of, of playmakers now, several of which will not be around for the season opener against Michigan, but as far as the SEC is concerned, that's going to be very helpful for whoever the quarterback is, and that's really the, the biggest question mark right now. The defense is going to be great. The offense will have talent. just depends who the quarterback's going to be and if they can get consistently good play out of either the Notre Dame transfer Malik Zaire or Luke Del Rio, but that's seems like that's always the question mark with with Florida now. But we'll have to see. It it feels like a long, long time ago that they had that guy named Tebow at quarterback, where things yeah. were just so so sure. But uh, I went with Auburn. <laughs> People, Auburn and A and M are probably the two teams I hammer the most with criticism and complaints as if I were a fan, but Auburn was so close to being like a, a contender in the SEC last season, and three games at uh, one score were what really got away from them. They have a quarterback now, unlike they will not go with Sean White anymore, thank God, that guy was a disaster. They've got the, the Baylor transfer, uh, Jared Stidham, and... Honestly, he can't be any worse than what they've been throwing out there in the past. They returned Cameron Petway, and they've always got a good defense. So the real the real test is they've got a really difficult road schedule. 
they have to play at LSU, at A&M. Arkansas can be tough. And then uh, they, they play Clemson week two. So if if they get destroyed by Clemson, I may as well just stop talking about Auburn forever and Gus Malzahn will disappear from the face of the earth, just like uh, Gene Chizik did. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is put up or shut up, I think, for Gus. He He's held his team out of chances to contend for championships for the past year, maybe two. James been reading up, and I saw an interesting statistic about Auburn. The last nine years, they've either played for the national championship or lost five or more games every season. Go big so, or go home. Yeah. I guess so. We'll see what it is this year. Um, and then player to watch for me, um, you have some, some mention of a, the Coach O player reference. You know, Darius Geis uh, down at LSU. For, I mean, most of last year is the most productive running back on the roster that included Leonard Fournette. So I would expect more of the same this year. I mean, it's the unquestioned lead back. And, I mean, Lord knows he's going to be counted on plenty because LSU just does not really like the quarterback position any more than Florida does. So it's going to be on his shoulders. Uh, LSU really had a disappointing season last year. Um and I know Coach O doesn't want to get his second stint as a head coach in the SEC off to the same disastrous start that he did at Ole Miss. So Geis is going to be counted on early and often, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to be even more productive than a season ago. Yeah, he's he's another back where he's like Saquon Barkley, where you give him some space and he's gone, just absolutely gone. Uh, I went with the aforementioned Auburn quarterback, Baylor transfer, Stidham. It's, I mean, he goes, we go, essentially. That's that's how I'm going to be putting it all year. If he can perform and, and really give them any production at quarterback, unlike last season where it seemed like they were shuffling in three different guys, one of whom only ran the ball. I mean, this is it. Just score 20 points a game, and Auburn should be a nine-win team. That's all you got to do. It seems like it's not that much to ask, but we found out it's, last year, apparently. It, it's a lot, apparently. A lot. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, official predictions for the, the Power Five that, you know, just assuming all of them will... All the champions will turn out to be correct. Of course. Both of us will be 100%. Yeah, no, obviously. That's statistically probable. Yes. Uh, next week, though, we'll break down week one games. Very excited. Football is almost back, folks. It is. And if you are a fan of the, the Owls, like B. Frank now apparently is, you got to give mm-hmm. your boy Lane Kiffin a follow on Twitter. It's just constant electric factory over there you will not you will not regret it all right thank you for for listening to the first episode of season two of the b5 and b frank show we'll be back next week to break down week one action the college football season so see you then Oh, you ask me, hold on.
so in Herb Street. Got the low down on the rivalries. Buckle your chest strap, you're ready to play. It's time to kick off college game day. 